Friends, welcome to another episode of Catholic Ad Lib. I have been on uh, a bit of a hiatus, uh, just busy, busy, busy doing some things and uh, exploring some things. I uh, hope to share more of that with you later, what I've been exploring. But this episode will be a little bit different. Um, I'll take you back to May of 2023. I think it was like mid-May or so. My daughter, Emma, came back from college and she has become, she attends Ashland University in Ashland, Ohio, where she has become involved with campus ministry. Of course, we're very, very happy about that. And in May, when Emma returned home for the summer break, she approached me and asked if I would be interested in speaking at their retreat campus ministry retreat for Ashland in September, which was five months from May. I was shocked. I was humbled that they, I'm sure it wasn't just my daughter, Emma, our daughter, Emma, that was asking. Um, so she must have put forth the idea. And I, of course, said yes. And that's when my prayer and work began and I loved it because of the work. Um, Emma let me know that there was a theme uh, for the retreat, more on that in just a minute. So this was uh, very, very helpful to me because again, it allowed me to, or got me to focus on a, on a subject or two. And uh, I, prayed a lot about this, that the Holy Spirit would guide me and, and use me to share with these students what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share, not what I felt I wanted to share. And the theme of the retreat was chaos, being busy. Um, and then uh, later in the summer, maybe four weeks prior to the retreat, Emma let me know, or asked me rather, if I could fold in the subject of reconciliation, because after my talk, which was scheduled about 7 or 7.30, uh, there was going to be an opportunity for reconciliation. So, absolutely. So, I pivoted, sort of, and uh, prayed about that as well. So, what I wanted to do here, uh, and... What we had planned on doing is recording the talk, and there were technical difficulties, uh, but things happened for a reason. And I was going to share the actual talk, uh, the, the audio, uh, but can't do that. But I thought I would just share with you some highlights of what I shared with these students. Um, first, let me say that I applauded them for being there, just the fact that they were there. Um, I'm sure some of them had many, many things on their mind. Some of them were not really looking forward to being there. Others were. I'm sure it ran the gamut. There was roughly 25 or so. So uh, I thank them for being there and, and the fact that they would take their time. It was just a, a great, great sign. And, you know, the Holy Spirit can kind of take it from there, right? So I told them that this would be a sharing uh, that I was going to share some thoughts that I felt the Holy Spirit was asking me to share. 
So with regards to chaos, I talked about the fact that I am busy, but they are just as busy, if not more busy, even though I'm, you know, I'm, I have a, a company and a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of, we have a lot of great stuff going on, great people that I work with. Uh, I travel, you know, people might think I'm busier than, than the students. I'm not, you know, they, they have things on their mind, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe, maybe some anxiety. But what I ask them to think about and what I ask you to think about is the chaos in our lives and whether or not we take time to be quiet and still. Can we deal with silence? I shared with the students a quote from Blaise Pascal, who was a French philosopher in the 1600s. And that year is really important because you would you would think that <clears throat> excuse me you would think that this quote was of our modern age and the quote is simply this from pascal all of our miseries stem from the fact that we cannot sit in a room quietly by ourselves all of our all of our miseries stem from the fact that we cannot sit in a room quiet by ourselves. So think about that. And the last time you have done that, I shared with the students, it's a struggle for me. I know it's always better if I have the discipline and I don't do this very often to be away from my cell phone. The cell phone is a temptation, but to be away from the cell phone, to have it in another room is very helpful. And I, I asked them to uh, consider that. It's not easy. So much of our lives are tied to a cell phone. I also shared with them a book that I came across and I'm slowly reading. It's written by Robert Cardinal Sarah. And the book is entitled The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise. The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of of noise. And just a few comments from the book. Sarah says we must make a choice, God or nothing, silence or noise. He goes on to say it's not enough to be quiet. It is necessary to become silence, which is a deeper level, right? A deeper level. It is in silence where we can literally hear God, our creator. Again, this is Robert Cardinal Robert Sarah. And seeking God in silence is our most difficult task, but also our greatest freedom. So after, <clears throat> excuse me again, after touching on, uh, on chaos and being busy and, and the need to be quiet and the need to be silent, uh, I spoke about prayer, and I suggested that prayer, as I have been taught and as I have come to believe, is more important than breathing. It is that important. I shared a story, uh, a short story of mine, where I was dedicated to reading the gospel every morning, and it, it just, it just wasn't sinking in. <clears throat> but 
I would read it and shuffle off to the gymnasium in one morning. And for some of you, you may, you may have heard this story. But one morning I shuffled off to the YMCA making the eight minute drive. And when I went into the YMCA, the gentleman behind the counter who checks people in, his name was Ricky. Uh, he had not one, but two Bibles in front of him on the counter. So I struck up a conversation with Ricky and asked him, really a, a, not the smartest question. I said, Ricky, do you read the Bible? Well, he had two of them in front of him. Of course he does. He said, yes, I do. And he asked me if, if I read scripture and feeling a little bit proud of myself. I said, I sure do. And then he asked me a question that I'll never forget. Ricky said to me, what did you, I told him that I read this morning, just that morning. And he said, what did you read? And I had no clue. Eight minutes earlier, I read, I read what God wanted me to read, what God was speaking to me through the gospel only eight minutes prior, and it left me. And I was absolutely mortified. And at that moment, I said to myself, that can't happen again. It, it just can't. And I'm happy to say it, it doesn't happen very often. We can't become stagnant in prayer. We cannot remain where we are in prayer. We have to progress. And that means knowing God better and hearing God more. And I also shared the story with the students of a, a priest friend of ours who was interviewing uh, three men who were part of a, uh, a company to do marketing and videos and the priest was having a hard time explaining to these men or getting them to understand, I should say, what, uh, what the priest was trying to do in his ministry. And so Father sort of broke and asked them a question, each of them, do you pray? And the first one answered that he really did not. The second one answered that he did, but rarely. And the third gentleman answered that he did every night. He prayed the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. And I'm sure he was polite in his response. But the priest said to the gentleman, so what you're telling me is you're, you, you learn those prayers probably in second grade, and your prayer life has not blossomed, has not grown, has not developed since second grade. And I love that story because it's easy to be like that. Just rattle off some prayers, you know, sort of like punching a ticket. And that's not prayer. Prayer is sharing our heart with God and, and allowing God to share his heart with us. And then I shared what Augustine says about prayer, that God requires us to ask, not that our wish or desire may be known to him, for it cannot be unknown, but that through the medium of prayer, desire may be developed in us by virtue of which we may receive what he is prepared to bestow. So it's, we, we come in earnest to God, we give him our heart, understanding that he knows our heart. <clears throat> so it's a matter of us just being honest with him and verbalizing 
what is on our mind, what is in our heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then again, silence, quiet, listening to God for his response. And I like to add, God cannot ignore us. He may not respond when we want. He may not respond how we want, but he will respond. He's our good father. We are beloved and we are the apple of his eye, every single one of us. And then what to pray for and how to pray. Augustine suggests that we be a particular kind of person, that we be desolate. In other words, we come to God in total humility, recognizing that he is the author of everything. Everything that we have is a gift. So that's where to start in prayer. And Augustine asks, what should we pray for? And he suggests we should pray for happiness and that our prayer really can be drawn from the Lord's prayer. All of our prayers can be drawn from the Lord's prayer and that the Holy Spirit will guide our hearts. If we come before the Lord in humility, really, I think that's that's the starting point and that's all we need. I see, I think sometimes we think that prayer is something that, that it needs to be perfect, that, that we can't achieve, so why do it anyway? We really don't know what it is. Um, we might think about it. You know, thinking about praying is not praying. Thinking about God is closer to prayer. And then I suggested to the students that I heard once that prayer is about three things. Please, thank you, and I'm sorry. Please, thank you, and I'm sorry. And then lastly, reconciliation. But just before I spoke, the uh, moderator or the, the young lady who uh, is involved with campus ministry, she works in campus ministry, I should say, Elizabeth, just a, a great, great person. I had the honor of being at her wedding about a year and a half ago. She let me know that there were one or two students in the group that were not Catholic. So that if I would take that into account as I spoke about reconciliation or penance. And when she explained that to me, I had a little bit of a smile on my face because I think the Holy Spirit prepared me for that already in advance. And the reason I knew that, the reason I believe that was because I didn't, I didn't hit that subject head on. The Holy Spirit guided me to approach it from the standpoint of the word restoration, which, which I think is a lot more palatable. I'm not suggesting we, we change the, the name of that sacrament, but restoration, you know, why? And then I shared with the students that our sin does not change God but it's all about our relationship with him. He desires that we have a relationship with him. He doesn't, he doesn't turn away. He doesn't go anywhere. It's us that turns away. It's us that keeps him at arm's length. God doesn't change. Thank God. 
and that sin is turning our face away from God. And I once heard that sin is a momentary period of insanity. Why? Because in our right mind, we wouldn't turn away from God, right? So the sacrament of confession, reconciliation, and then restoration, it's not just about forgiveness, I offered, but that there's a word that describes it very, very well, very, very well, and that word is healing. Healing, because God's focus is on our relationship with him. And I think if we think about that in family terms, when we have a disagreement or with a friend, the relationship is fractured to some extent and there needs to be a healing. And typically, you know, between friends or family members, someone needs to make the first move to express a desire to reconcile. And that is us. God is always there waiting to restore this relationship. And as a divine physician, that's what he does. And, and reconciliation with God, reconciling to be, to be eyelash to eyelash with God brings peace that, that we cannot gain anywhere else. So we, we fall constantly, consistently, and we come back to him with the, with the knowledge and the belief that if we are humble and express when we have fallen, when we have sinned, that God will restore our relationship with him. And there's nothing else better in the world. Nothing. It's, and it's not even close. And then I shared along the same lines of uh, restoration and relationship, I shared with the students the story of the prodigal son and how the son, in essence, wanted his father to up and die because he wanted what was coming to him. And the father obliged and, and gave the son, you know, I guess, half his riches because he had a second son. And then the son went off and squandered everything until finally the son came to his senses. He was destitute and he turned back. Again, humility, extreme humility. And he came back to the father. But I shared with the students the amazing part of that story for me. It wasn't as much the, the son coming back, although that, that was touching and that's what we ought to do, right? Time and time again. It was the response of the father. The father would have been well within his rights to remain in his home, whatever kind of home this was, and to sort of, you know, leave it to the son to come to the father. But that's not what happened. The moment the father learned of the son coming back, the moment he learned of the son coming back, the father ran to the son. In spite of what the son did to the father, in spite of the son essentially wanting his father dead, when the father understood that the son had turned back toward the father, the father ran. And this is precisely what God does with us. 
the, the first inclination of our turning back, back to God sets God running toward us. Of course, God isn't running, but, but spiritually, you know, the Holy Spirit is now on fire because the Holy Spirit, of course, will love the reunion, the, the repair, the restoration of the relationship. So in summary, I suggested to the students that they take time to be quiet, quiet, make the time. Second, I suggested that prayer is more important than breathing and it's communication with God and that we need to prepare our hearts to receive what God in his all-knowing love and power knows what's good for us and we trust, right? And then restoration to reconcile with God, to reestablish the relationship with him that he intended for us and that we have to have. Lastly, there was a mention of being yoked to Christ and to be, to be yoked to Christ is to have that very, very close bond, close relationship with him. So I thank you for listening. I'd ask you, if you would, pray for those students. It's not too late to pray for them because as I also mentioned to them, and I, I just remembered this, that we should pray now and then. So if we pray today for the students that were on retreat last weekend, it's not that our prayers are late. Why? Because God being outside of time knew from the beginning of time that any of us would pray for those students and those prayers will be applied. God will hear those prayers. Again, God being outside of time can take our efforts, our prayers at any time and he will acknowledge those prayers. So please pray for those students and ask you to also include my daughter in your prayers. I look forward to being with you again. We have several great uh people lined up that we will interview and film, and we have several other projects going on. I thank you as always, and again, this is all about the gospel. That's what spurred me on from day one, just to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospels. Thank you, and God bless.